1: visit roberthalf.com today okay welcome back to the first cut podcast my name is kyle porter i'm here with mark Embleman. mark it's really hot uh, where you are, where I am. It does not feel like fall golf uh, has started taking place. Is this just an ex- an extension of summer golf? What's going on?
0: I don't know, man. This is fall in name only. Fino is my new term for this. I, it, it's ridiculous, man. And uh, the cool thing about the thing, though, um, we had the green briar last week, and I was part of the call. You saw some changing in the leaves there in White Sulphur Springs, but the temperatures were still hot and sticky. Yeah i am this week in columbus georgia it feels like the dog days of summer and even the dog i'm looking over at my dog sitting in the studio yeah, he's like whatever and he's just chilling next to the air conditioning so it's it's rough and you know it doesn't feel like the fall and it's if nothing else as you point out it's sort of ruining some football weather as well
1: yeah it is uh, speaking of greenbrier joaquin neiman gets his first pga tour victory I was super impressed. You know, he, he is somebody that I've kind of been on. Uh, me and Chip have talked about him a lot because everybody brings up like the, you know, like the Justin Thomas and the Jordan Spieth and, 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 he, and even somebody like Bryson. And you're like, oh, these young stars. And it's like, well, I'll give you somebody who's like a, an actual young star. This guy's 20 years old. I mean, the list he joined of guys that have won on the PGA Tour before turning age 21 is a joke. It's Seve. It's Rory. It's Tiger. It's Phil. I mean, it's an unbelievable list. What was your big takeaway from Greenbrier over the weekend?
0: Well, it's, for me, I think it was the realization of what everyone kind of knew, to your point. I mean, this kid, you know, former world's number one amateur, one Latino-American amateur to get into the Masters. And that's where the first time I saw him, and to be honest with you, it was the Sunday I got to Augusta National. It's always a day before the event when— you know, you've got drive, chip and putt in the morning and the family's having fun. And then in the, uh, most of the day, the afternoon, you know, members and guests still go and play the golf course. And some of the players play and they get a sighter. And I always catch up with Mr. Gary Player. He plays around there. And so it's neat to be out there. And I made a point of going to watch Jaco Neiman play. Um, I'd heard so much and I was suitably impressed. And the thing about him that impressed me more than anything else it was not just the prolific game it, it's just the fact that he just had a real old head on some very very young shoulders and the decision making he showed even in the practice round, the way he went about you know carving out time around the greens and, and focusing on areas that, that needed to be focused on was just you know well beyond his tender age and so he, he jumped to my attention then and then obviously, turns pro and has the banner start to the 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 career. And then from there things waned. And and I always grade a golfer Kyle by how good the guy or the girl is when things aren't going well.
1: Yeah.
0: And he dealt with that very easily. And the next thing comes through with a, a decent finish to the end of last season and shows up at the Greenbrier and sort of plots his way to a very, very well constructed, well put together victory. And things didn't come easy you know he didn't drive the ball that well in the final day but when the chips were down he brought his stuff and he showed off his quality and so I think it was a long time coming and, and well deserved and I look forward to what the future holds but I guess to your question yeah he's legit man he's he's at 20 I would say he's as accomplished as any
1: yeah he is and I'm looking at the the former number one amateurs in the world the track record here. For guys who spent a lot of time at number one, it's pre- it's pretty good. Uh, hmm. John Rom holds the record. He he has the most total weeks at, as the number one amateur in the world. He spent sixty weeks as the number one amateur. Uh, then you got Patrick Cantley, fifty five. You get down Peter Uline forty nine, and then Neiman uh, is fourth. Uh, and and the world amateur rankings were only constructed. I I want to say like twelve years ago, fifteen years ago, uh-huh. something like that. So they haven't been around forever, but. Uh, I mean, the, the the names on this list of guys that did it for, you know, more than, let's say, 30 weeks. Ricky Fowler, Ollie schneider Johns, Maverick McNeely. It, it's a really strong list, and I, and I think there there are some takeaways from there. But it, it, when we're talking numbers, though, the numbers that I go back to... So last season on the PGA Tour, he was, I think, 24th uh, in strokes gained T to green. He, he didn't putt well, and, and that's you know, you know how I am with that stuff. I'm like, I don't, whatever. Like, I don't care if you're putting well, if you're, if you're that strong from T to green at the age of 20, I went back the previous season. So it was the season he turned pro and he didn't, he didn't have enough starts to qualify, mm-hmm. but from T to green, if, if he did have enough starts, he was like top 10, top 12, something like that. So he has proven now for, uh, over two years that he's a top you know, 20, 25 ball striker on the PGA tour. And, and if you're that good at that age, it's it's almost hard to to not have a really good career. Now, who knows? Maybe some of that falls off. Maybe you get hurt. But I just think his trajectory is really, really good.
0: Yeah, well, look, uh, to, to your strokes gain number, that season, let's not forget, he uh, earned exemptions into the U.S. Open and the Open um, because of his victory in the Latino America, but forfeits that to turn pro. Yep. Goes to the Valero Texas Open in 2018. Uh, that's a very demanding golf course, that Oaks course there in San Antonio. And he finishes sixth there. His first tournament as a pro, okay, So and he's part of the mix. And then he earns the special temporary member status, and there's not many folks that have done that in his few starts and then just for good measure goes down the road there to uh, Jack's place at the Memorial and finishes tied for sixth there. So he, he had a torrid start to it, and I think that just backs up your numbers, you know hits the ball beautifully, puts himself in position, makes putts. You know, he's a bit streaky. But you've got to put that all together. And, and, and to come out and fin- start as well as what he did uh, under all that pressure, sort of wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, all that sort of stuff going on, and then still deliver, and that speaks to who he is as a golfer. And, and so statistics measure up, and, you know, those immeasurables to a certain extent, they certainly are, are – are in abundance with Jucker and Neiman
1: yeah and, and in two thousand and eighteen he he actually earned a temporary membership yeah. and then he earned full membership based on those sponsor exemptions and the only guys in recent years to do that before him had been uh, rom Spieth, and now this year it was it was more Kawa and Wolf so I mean you just you keep talking about these these circles that he's these names that he's among and it's like well i I mean it, it all I know what to do with that is that he's going to be really good and potentially a star or superstar. So I don't know. I, I think he does get, and I've been bummed the last couple of years that he's got, I I, I just think he's gotten lost uh, uh, among the conversation. So maybe that changes with his win uh, at the Greenbrier. I uh, wanted to touch on.
0: If, if I could, yeah. you, you mentioned the con, the conversation. Um, You make a really good point there because I think the only reason why he hasn't been talked about is because, look, let's be honest, he's playing on the PGA Tour and you've got all these young American stars coming up and they're grabbing the lion's share of the attention. The young man's from Chile. Um, You know, he's not very vocal. He's on social media some, but he's hardly got a a Matt Wolf following, if you will. So, you know, he's just sort of done his golf thing. So I feel like now that he has won, now people might start to pay attention a little more because previously he was just some talented young kid We didn't go to college, made it onto the tour, and and had a few top 10s, you know?
1: Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, I want to touch on a a couple of international events that happened. So uh, Solheim Cup over the weekend, I I know you probably caught some of that, at least saw the highlights. Uh, And then BMW PGA Championship, which is upcoming this weekend at at Wentworth, the the European Tour's flagship event. Uh, Let's go Solheim Cup 1st just. Mm How good, how good was the, the putt from Suzanne Peterson in the celebration? I mean, I said this on Twitter, but the celebration was like, it, it was the best celebration. People were throwing like Tiger at the Masters at me, which was really good. But it was one of the best celebrations I've seen in the last 10 or 15 years in golf. Well,
0: yes. Uh, and the, uh, the, the, the angle, the trek I took into this was just the timeliness of it all. You talk yeah. and this guy, he made putts when he needed to. And, and it's it's a skill that very few have. Jordan Spieth's got an element of that, and all the great champions sort of do. Jack Nicklaus, obviously, also. They made putts when it meant something. And not to make a putt is hard, okay, 10 feet or whatever the length was. To make a putt left to right for a right-hander is a click harder. Then you add to the situation the pressure of all this, all right? And that final green there at the Glen Eagles course, the Kings course, I believe it is, It's this massive amphitheater, and you've got this huge hill that surrounds the green, and so you feel like you're in this um, bowl, if you will, and you've got all and sundry on the hill there, both teams, all the fans. It's down to you. You probably know it because Bronte Law has just polished off her match on 17. So you get up there, and you deliver. I mean, this is the stuff that kids practice on the putting greens when we are like 5, six, seven, eight, 10, 12, 13 years old. So, so that for me was the big deal. And then to add to that too, um, Suzanne Pedersen was picked by Katrina Matthew. And there was a lot of blowback about that selection. You know, most folks said she hadn't played very much. And when she did play, she wasn't very good. And I'm not so sure about this. And there's a certain element of, you know, sisterhood going on Yeah, And we question the selection. Well, how about taking the big finger and going, whatever. You know, I stood up here and I did what Captain Matthew picked me to do. Yeah. I was one of the anchor matches and I was the one that delivered when it meant something. And so from that angle, I'm like, man, Suzanne Pedersen, that was all sorts of class. It was world class and it was just so cool to see. And, and, and further than that, I mean, those matches were so nip and tuck. Uh, at one stage, it looked, like, it looked like the United States had the thing locked. And all of a sudden it turns on basically a dime and stuff had to go the Europeans way and it did somehow. And it was just, it was a crazy cool event uh, finished in um, a way that I couldn't have imagined to be any better.
1: Yeah. I think one of the big takeaways for me is just, just more team events, man. Like the team stuff is, I mean, I find myself every May with the college stuff. You're like, I, I don't know who's on, you know, uh, Washington State. I don't know who plays golf there, but I'm in. Let's watch it because there's so, there's so much emotion and there's it's just I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome and the Solheim Cup is great. Uh, I I did see people joking that Julie Inkster should be the captain for the Ryder Cup team, which may have gone better. For the Ryder Cup, for the men's Ryder Cup team, than it has in uh, some of the past years. Not all of them, but some of them. Um, I just love that stuff. I think it's phenomenal, and you know, we we could talk for hours about just the the players that really kind of rose to the occasion, and and then the players that didn't. I I, I don't know. It, it was it was a really cool event. Had one of the best endings, maybe the best ending, other than Tiger winning the Masters of 2019. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was pretty great.
0: I, love it. I I must say this too. You speak about the team environment, and I'm a college coach also. And and then we've talked about that Palmer Cup that I was the captain yeah. slash coach of the international squad. And you know, it, it was a bit. It wasn't like a finish on the last green that we had to win the international team. You know, there were people finishing at different times. But I'll tell you this much. It is hard. Okay, it is difficult. To put together your lineup, it's certainly difficult. Before that, even to make the captain's selections, everyone's like, "Well, the captain needs more picks." I gotta tell you, <laughs> captain, it, picks are hard, man, and because you only you can only be wrong yeah. if you pick someone and they play well. He's like, "Okay, well, that was expected." Yeah. But if you pick some lemon, uh, you know you've got to live with that sort of thing. And so, lining up that team in order for the final day. And you speculating, and you pontificating, and you're like, well, this and that, and who might play here? It, it, it's a tough gig, and and so to the Julie Angster thing, to all the captains, I mean, I've got so much respect for them now. Previously, I would always be, well, Ruth, the players just have to go out and play, which is the truth in the end. You know, players got to go and play well, win their match, win their points, but setting them up in the right order, uh, that that is challenging.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um... I did read it, – it is funny because you, you talk to players about some of this team stuff, and they just – I mean, they they are never more nervous than they are during team events. I read this piece from Sean Martin today on Webb Simpson talking about the President's Cup. And he said the President's Cup, and I think it was in Australia in 2011. Uh, is that right?
0: Yeah. I think it was yeah.
1: In Melbourne. And he said that's the most – like the first tee, and, and you know, we think about the president's cup and you're like, yeah, it's a big deal, but it's not like we don't view it. I think the same as like a major or like the U S open or I, I don't know. And maybe we should, but we, I don't think we do. Mm-hmm. And, and Webb said like, that's by far the most nervous I've ever, ever well, I don't know if he said by far, but he said that's the most nervous I've ever been because of how many people there are, because it's not just you. It's like all this other stuff going on. And, I don't know. I, I think I think the team event stuff just brings emotions and different things out that you don't normally get at, at a golf event the way that we watch them. So I am uh, I am all for all the team play that we can get.
0: Hey, the, the expectation sets anyone up for a fall. OK, and, and when you go there and then you've got your country's flag on your chest, yep. you've got all these fans behind you. And you're just playing for one point. I mean, it's one measly point. It's the most important thing in the world. And I've been on the first tee at President's Cup at Muirfield Village, which Mm. was manic. I remember I was interviewing Fred Couples, and the crowds were going crazy. And he just looked at me and goes, isn't this cool? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) Nervous. And he sort of smiled and he goes, heck, yes, I'm nervous. I mean, me, the, the guy holding the microphone, I wasn't even I, – I was nervous and I wasn't even hitting a shot. Yeah. And you mentioned Webb quickly j- just to close the t- – you know, f- tie the bow, I guess. At Glen Eagles in the Ryder Cup, remember his first tee shot off that first tee with all that pressure with a fairway medal, popped it straight up in there and the thing went like 100 yards down the fairway. Yeah. I mean the, that pressure and the expectation and all of these – again, the immeasurables – They just ramp up the pressure to the biggest extent. And so I feel like, to your initial observation, it's got to be measured in the same way as what the major events are.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Okay, we're going to talk a little BMW PGA Championship. We're going to give our uh, Sanderson Farms picks. But first, we're going to take a break. The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. Okay, Mark, I got two things on BMW PJ Championship. First, I saw this stat today, and I want to I see if you can get it right. So I got this from Justin Ray over at 15th Club, uh, the best statistician in the game. Um, there's no chance
0: I'm getting this right, brother. If, if you team me up with that, there's zero chance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the only – this is uh, – this is incredible. I can't believe this is a real stat. The only player in the, in the current top 50 in the world to not miss a cut worldwide in 2019 is who? I, the hint is that he's playing in the BMW PGA Championship.
0: Francesco Molinari.
1: That's a good guess, but, but no, that's not, not correct.
0: Okay, well, uh, I was gonna go Justin Rose, but he missed the cut the Masters, and yep. I'm smarting about that one. Yep. Uh, and Rory missed a couple because we've covered him so much. So, you've got me. What is it?
1: Tommy Fleetwood.
0: Ah, yeah. Oh, look, I don't. Well, we've spoken about this guy before, man. He just flies under the radar. Yeah, he does. Like it's crazy. He shouldn't. Well, I don't know. it
1: doesn't make sense. Yeah, he doesn't. He, he doesn't win a ton. You know, it, it's a little. I I think the easy comp is like Ricky Fowler, right? So Fowler is like top 10, top 10, top 10, top 20. He has a bad week. It's like top 40. Uh, And especially during his good stretches, like he just doesn't miss cuts. And that's sort of how Fleetwood is. But they also don't win. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he's – look, I ride for Fleetwood. He's awesome. And uh, that's a really impressive number to to go – The places that these top players have gone in 2019 and to not miss a single cut that that's that's a real thing and i think it's more meaningful than than probably a lot of people give it credit for
0: well you ask a lot of people and you're speaking cuts made now i don't know the number but it is is astronomical you talk people about tiger woods and you'll hear the 15 majors and the 80 plus tournament victories you talk to all the players and then you ask them what's the most impressive tiger woods record and all talk to you about consecutive cuts made because it's stupid. It's like in the three hundred plus. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous how many cuts he made in a row. And and that's you got to be doing so many things right for so long. And uh, and, and not just the play, the longevity of it also making it through a season, um, playing in different sides of the pond, playing in different conditions different golf courses and that, that that's a pretty cool step for fleetwood there
1: yeah it, it is impressive uh the other thing i got we haven't talked about this i want to give you the floor give you your stage give you your soapbox here
0: all right there we go
1: rory beats brooks pj tour player of the year it came out I, I think it came out like right after we or maybe the day after we did our podcast last week so we haven't discussed it um but there was a lot of a lot of consternation a lot of hoopla around at rory beating out brooks for pj tour play of the year so the floor is yours mr Emmelman. um what would you like to say about this this uh, happening
0: well my response to everybody because i've gotten a bunch of social media blowback <laughs> I, I think i said so on the podcast i knew it was coming when i said to chip i'm like don't go to sleep on mcelroy He's got Brooks in a number of categories. The only one he didn't was in the four major championships. Yep. He's won at a canter in Canada and played beautifully in difficult conditions to win the Players' Championship, which is, with respect to all the others, the strongest field in the game. And then, uh, then of course, wins the FedEx Cup. And my takeaway from all of this was the PGA Tour players who vote for this, they pay attention... To all of the numbers, because we live in an age where folks are looking at your strokes gain met- metrics. And when they look down the list to find their name and they click on to strokes gain teeth green and they see McElroy up there. And then they click on and they see McElroy, oh goodness, he's 24th Strokes Gain Putting now. That's an improvement from somewhere in the hundreds where it was the season before. And then they start to look at that, and that sits in the back of their head. And then of course we live in a FedEx Cup era. And all the players now all the youngsters it's about the playoffs it's about majors don't get me wrong don't get me wrong but it's about the playoffs and you go there and you win the FedEx Cup you know kind of the the ultimate prize i think the PGA Tour calls it 15 million dollars there's a whole lot of benefits that go alongside that and what he did is he was head to head with brooks in the final group at east lake I think that was sort of the exclamation point on his season. And and I had thought initially that if he wins the FedEx Cup, he may spark some conversation, but it was still Brooks to be had. But then when I started to look through the numbers, all of the numbers, he was better than Brooks. It was just Brooks was a major championship beast. And I, I don't know if you had to ask Rory, would you trade that FedEx Cup for a Masters? He probably would. But, but all that being say, said, it was well-deserved, and, and, and it was a, an award that was given to him by his fellow PGA Tour professionals.
1: Yeah, and I think what you hit on at the end there is, is important, and I think it shows, like, I don't know if this happens 10 years ago or, or 15 years ago, you know, because I, I think that guys are just more locked into, and, and I would compare it a little bit to what, what happens in baseball. I think I've said this before, but guys winning the Cy Young, even though they go, like, 12-9 and nine, uh, in a year, you know, as a pitcher, you're like, well, why, why that guy get this at young? And it's like, well, look a little closer and see what he actually did in in terms of his advanced numbers. And so for me, as somebody who likes that stuff and thinks it's important, um, I I like that. I don't know. I, I could go either way on this. I, I get why he won it. I don't know that I necessarily agree because I, I do think that like winning majors, does and 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 finishing where brooks did in majors does still matter a ton it does uh but i I get it and and i like that there's the kind of the pendulum swinging the other way a little bit because you know you go back 40 years and it's like guys from that era and guys that covered it and and broadcast they they wouldn't care about like strokes gain it's like what do you you know, we're, and and you hear this from Paul Azinger a lot, and I love Paul Azinger, but it's like, what what's in your heart on the back nine on Sunday? And you're like, well, maybe, or like, just what do the numbers say? I, I think it's both. I think it's a combination of both, and I, I do like that the pendulum is swinging a little bit back the other way.
0: Well, to that, you know, in a way, Zinger is right, and I respect him highly. To win an event on the tour, on the European tour, wherever you have to be brave. Yeah. To- Major championship, you've got to be extraordinarily brave. And yeah. you've, you know, you've got to, it's a level that you and I and most folks listening to this cannot comprehend. I've been pretty close to it, but I couldn't comprehend what was going through my brother's mind. He tells me, but I couldn't live it. And as you know, living this stuff, when your heart is resting and your mind is going at a million miles an hour and all this sort of stuff, and people are coming at you. For, for me, the thing with the majors is, is it could be one shot, and that one shot could be a lip out putt. Yeah. Uh, at the Ryder Cup, at the Ryder Cup, at the Solheim Cup, it came down to one putt. You know, and you've got to be brave to make it. But you know what? If uh, the young lady, uh, if her name slips my mind, do forgive me. If she gets up there, and knocks in the putt before uh, Suzanne Pedersen does, it's a different story. Yeah. So, so there's so many things that are brought to bear through it all. I think in the end, Brooks' season was fantastic. Uh, I expect more of the same from him. Um, but, it, but in the end, it's the player of the year. I've got one more question. I want your answer for yeah. this. There were finalists, okay, of which Kuchero was one. Mm-hmm. He had for him the, his best season, I think, in his career. How many votes did he grab or anyone else? It's like a presidential election. Just to dilute the field enough... To kind of you know throw a wrangle in the numbers, some.
1: Yeah, it is weird because you would like to see that stuff. I get why they don't release it. I would love to see it. I one. Of, I mean, my question is like, well, and, and no offense to Kutra, he did have the best season of his career, but like, if you're the PGA tour, like, why even, why even give guys the option? Why even put somebody like Kutra? Like, is anybody, is it, is it, is it even fair to either Rory or Brooks to put? Kucher on the ballot right Mm -hmm. like why would you give players the option of even diluting the vote like you said that that uh i don't know i mean whatever but that (laughs) if somebody (laughs) voted for matt Kucher, for brooks kepka and rory McElroy for player of the year then we need to uh we need to revisit some things i think
0: yeah well look that 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 individual if it did happen we'd have to live with themselves i've seen this before when you've got an ax to grind with someone. And that's the one thing about having a player of votes. Yeah. You know, the emotions that are lodged deep down and they're like, Oh, well I kind of don't want this dude to win. So I'm going to just vote for someone else or I'm going to abstain.
1: But everybody does that. Media does that. I mean, no matter who's voting, they have their biases. I mean, if, if you and I were voting, we'd be like, well, I really like this guy and I don't really like this guy. So this is how I'm going to vote, you know? So I, I don't know. I, the player thing. I, I think the player stuff does matter because those guys are so close to it. They get it in a way that I don't, mm-hmm. um, because they've lived it. A lot of them, not all of them, but but a lot of them have been, you know, in the mix at a major or at least uh, at a PGA Tour event. So I don't know. It, it was really interesting, and um, I just I like that we're looking more holistically at uh, the game of golf rather than just from a kind of myopic viewpoint I, I think that's important and i think it's important in the way that we talk about it in the future
0: i completely agree with you my friend um one thing because uh, i'm a friend of both of them um they're both great guys they go, they're both super champions one thing is for certain whether it was brooks or rory it is obviously rory the pga tour has a pretty good dude and a heckle of a, a heck of a golfer to hang their hat on for the next season. It's they both top quality.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. Uh, it's time for our perfect finish presented by Amstel light. Uh, Mark, I, I'm going to go first cause I don't want you to steal mine. So if I'm taking yours, I apologize, but oh. I've got somebody who is currently, you know, my favorite stat strokes game, <laughs> tee to <And> green go. <laughs> currently leading the PGA tour after one event of the season in strokes, gain from tee to green. Scotty Scheffler, hook 'em horns. He played...
0: Oh stop, man. Would you one day you need to choose someone that's not from Oklahoma or Texas?
1: <laughs> he uh he played great at Greenbrier. I think he finished T seven or T eleven, something like that. Uh, I, I think him winning. You know, I, I don't know if he's a I don't know if he's a superstar. He was good in college. He was never he was never like the morikawa Wolf Hovland kind of mold. Uh, but he was really good on the Corn Ferry Tour last year, so I, I don't know. He, he's, I think when when we talk about some of these guys, he's a little older than some of them, but I think he flies a little bit under the radar in a different way than than you know when we're talking about Joaquin Neiman. But I don't know. I think him winning a, a, an early fall event and really kind of getting into the the flow of things on the PGA Tour, I think that'd be pretty cool. So that's my perfect finish for this weekend at Sanderson Farms.
0: I like it. Um, I, I'm going to sort of be romantic again. You know, I tend to want to do that when it comes to the stuff. And my Kyle Westmoreland thing for the Greenbrier didn't pan out so well, but <laughs> I was romantic nonetheless. Um, playing the college route as well. And there's a guy in the field who went to college in Mississippi, granted it wasn't in Jackson, um, Braden Thornberry, who yeah. is a stud. I mean, this dude can really go... A few years ago, I called him at the FedEx St. Jude, then classic, finished top 10, and he just plays the game his own way. He's from Memphis, and obviously now playing in a a, a big event now. It's a 500-point event, this uh, Sanderson Farms Championship, the FedEx Cup points. So here it goes, because he can bash it off the tee, right? He's in contention. The 15th is a drivable four. He hits driver on the green makes an eagle there that propels him to a super fast finish because he was in the mix and and not leading at the time. So he goes with the eagle there and a couple quick birdies, posts a score, and wins by one to get his maiden PGA Tour victory in Mississippi where he went to college. So that's my perfect finish.
1: I like that. That's a good one. That's a fun one. We're going to talk a little bit more about... The Sanderson Farms, but uh, that's been the perfect finish. Brought to you by Amstel Light. At the end of any round, you know what the perfect finish is. It's in a nice bottle of Amstel Light. Uh, Mark, uh, one thing before we get to our picks, uh, we'll we'll skip the cam champ or the camera champ stuff, um, just because he'll be talked about a ton this week. But
0: I've been waffling too much, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah, that too for me. Um, Akshay Batia, seventeen-year-old, just played in the Walker Cup he's been a, a i don't want to say a household name he's not a household name but he's been a big name in golf circles for the last couple of years uh he's played in some PGA tour events as an am but he's turning pro this week as a 17 year old signed with Callaway what, what are you've been you've been closer to this stuff in terms of like really young guys turning pro and and just what all that looks like what are your feelings and thoughts going into his kind of the start of his professional career here
0: well look he's a bit of a social media phenom first off uh, which I think is why he's getting so much attention I mean I look on Instagram and the guy's got over 38,000 followers which you know this, this is a high school golfer who, who hasn't been to college is foregoing college to turn professional and um, so there's a little of that on the go so a lot of expectation I've never seen him play I've, I've seen footage I've talked to George Gankus, he's golf instructor, and so as a result, there's this cult kind of following around him. Obviously he can play, you, you, you don't win by accident, he's had some really good victories. And he played at the uh, and played pretty solid out there. He can hit it a long way. Um, my, my only question for Akshay is being so young, because I've been around young guys who turn pro. It's a big step from uh, amateur golf to professional golf. And it certainly is a big step from amateur golf to the PGA Tour. That, that's a different level entirely. So, so it, it's not the hands and feet of it for me, you know, what the physical skill is, because he's got that in buckets. It, it's how do you deal with the off-course stuff, you know, w- what happens after the round, the aftermath, if you will. Uh, we saw it with Cameron Champ. We were going to talk about him. You know, he comes out, was okay in college, wasn't a world beater, but then wins early, he busts it off the tee like Batia does, and the next thing he's on covers of magazines, and there's all this other sort of stuff on the go, and that's tough to handle. Um, Winning is hard, but dealing with that other stuff, that's something that nobody can prepare you for, and you've got to have a certain emotional quotient about you. And so uh, Akshay, he's a good golfer, man, he can hit the thing he really can he's mean, you know, I made a cut in the web.com tour and, and finished down the field some missed the cut at the Valspar earlier this year um so he's got he's got the game I'm just keen to see how at such a tender age he was born in January in 2002 for Pete's sake I mean how does he deal with all of the attention that is going to be heaped on him if he does in fact play well
1: he was born in january 2002 i mean goodness gracious i feel so that is that's insane that is uh that makes me feel old um yeah i don't know i i feel like we do this thing sort of retroactively where we're like in five years we'll be like well that was a great decision or that was a terrible decision and it's like well how does it stand right now? Like, is it, is it a good decision for him and for his family based on all the information that he has right now? And it, and it seems like, I mean, he's, and there have been other guys like this, but he's fairly unique in that his, he's never really planned on going to college. So his entire career or junior golfing life has kind of pointed toward this. Mm -hmm. So I do think there's some advantage there rather than like, maybe you win like the US junior or the USM and then all of a sudden you get rolled out there as a pro and you're like, wait a second, like what's, (laughs) where's the tee box at, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think it's probably a pretty good decision for him just because he's been thinking about it and pointing toward it so long, but you know, time will tell if he's, if he's successful at it. And if he's not, that doesn't necessarily mean it was a bad decision. It just means, you know, maybe he wasn't good enough to make it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, look, he, he was the runner-up in the 2018 U.S. Junior. But as I looked through the resume, he's got four wins as an amateur. Um, you know, a bunch of the glitterati that he intends to go and beat and play against. Uh, their their amateur career was, you know, long and illustrious. And so yeah. it, it's it, it is a strange circumstance. <clears throat> Forgive, pardon me. Um, but he can play, and in the end. You know, when it all boils down to it, the golf ball doesn't know who you are, and it doesn't know how many tournaments you've won as an amateur. Yeah, it doesn't really matter um, if you can bring it as a professional. And and again, to your to to your point, and to you know what I was speaking of, how does he deal with all of this as a young man? And I think that'll define how he turns out as a professional.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, uh, picks for Sanderson Farms. Uh, I've got. Well, I'll go backwards. I've got Cam Champ as my as my sleeper. He's fifty to one. He won here last year. Obviously, it hasn't been a great twelve months for him, but uh, he still does the thing that you need to do well, or that is the most important. Maybe better than anybody in the world. He's he's one of the best drivers on the PGA Tour. Oh, Even do you know what
0: he is, strokes gained tee to green.
1: Yeah, he was six last year. I looked that up, but his strokes gain everywhere else was. And really, really bad. Like he yeah. was outside the top 150 in pretty much everything else. So
0: 40-second strokes gain tee to green, and he's lost on the PGA Tour Strikes strokes gain around the green. you going to have a little form.
1: Yeah, it's not great. Uh, and then top 10, Joaquin Neiman. Uh, I think I have a 20-week streak of picking the tournament favorite as my lock for top 10, so <laughs> no surprises there. And then uh, Brand Snedeker is my winner. He His name kind of stood out to me a little bit um as i was as i was kind of looking over this field uh he he's i think he's got like two top tens in his last three starts. been playing pretty good golf and you know this is a course where at least last year and traditionally putting has been more important than like for the winner than at a, a traditional pga tour event so i think snedeker gets a, an early season win uh, on the pga tour
0: I like that. Now, look, let's be honest with each other. I, I wasn't very sharp at this stuff last week. I picked Keegan to win, and he played pretty well. Uh, I said some players to watch for Christopher Ventura, who had a shock at the starts. Uh, and, then, and then, the you know, I think I mentioned Sung J.M., and he was pretty solid. So I'm going for a top 10. I'm picking M again. He's the highest-ranked player in the field, and he looked pretty sharp out there at Greenbrier, so the game was there. So I'm saying Sun, Sun J.M. is a good top 10er. My sleeper, I'm going with Braden Thornberry. Um, He's going to turn a few heads, of this I'm convinced. Um, And then winning this week, I'm a big one for opportunities. And I feel like golf is the ultimate game of recovery and opportunity. And if you can give yourself as many of the latter as possible, you're going to have the leg up on your competition. Now, Corey Connors led the PGA Tour in greens in regulation last year. I know it's not stroke gained approach. But he has hit the ball on the green a whole bunch, over 70% of the time. And he is just an assassin from tee through green. So he was a part of the mix last year, but for a frenetic finish, he may have won. So he likes the golf course. He's a greens and regulation machine, made it to the Tour Championship. So I'm going with the Canadian. My only concern is the temperature. So I'm not so sure. Someone from north of the border... (laughs) Mississippi. This event's a month earlier than what it was last year, and that's a big deal for the golf course. Now it's set up, and obviously how it's playing and the temperatures and such. So I'm picking Connors, but the temperature will be an issue.
1: Mark, I'm going to read you the top 10 on the PGA Tour last year in Strokes tee to Green. Uh-huh. Number one Rory, JT Hideki, Adam Scott, Patrick Cantley, Paul Casey, Ben On. Dustin Johnson, Corey Connors. Hey, <laughs> Hooray for me. John Rahm. <laughs> just, just he's, <laughs> he's super underrated as a ball striker. He's really good.
0: He is really good. He's really good, and he's he's won on a difficult golf course in the Valero Texas Open. Yeah. That course, man, you have got to hit it around that place.
1: Yeah.
0: And and, and he finished that thing, so he's shown he can finish
1: for sure. Okay, great stuff, Mark. As always, uh, had a blast and uh, enjoy the golf this weekend. A lot going on: BMW PGA, Sanderson Farms. Uh, hopefully, some team events that I can watch online somewhere, and <laughs> we will we'll talk again soon.
0: Yeah, you stay in the air conditioning, buddy.
1: Thanks, Mark. Talk to you later.
0: Bye.